AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Early trade in the grain markets looked like the start of an upside correction after last week's price pressure. But the closes looked like more of the same for the grains. The cattle complex worked to the upside, and lean hog futures finally caught a bid to close higher. Live from other Davis Day via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. <laughs> this afternoon, it's a conversation with Scott A. Davis from Bullpen Trading. Later, Kerry Artek from ArtekAdvisory.com. And right after the news, Jack Scoville from the Price Futures Group. I'm the handsome newsman, Davis Michelson, now the host of AgriTalk, Jeff Laurie. All right, Davis. Hey, buddy. Thank you so much. It's actually Scott E. Davis. Scott A. Davis? E. As in, like, e. uh, e. Davis? It huh? might be L. It could stand for L, which that... would make him the Davis. Ooh. <sighs> I don't know about that. I don't yeah. know about that. I think you should check your notes. I probably should. I probably should. It's kind of turned into a gloomy day up here. We're still uh, 39 degrees, which isn't all too bad. There's a little bit of drippity drip going on outside the bunker, but uh-huh. eh, just kind of gloomy. I'd like the, I, yeah. I'd like some sun to go with it, please. You know, I'm not sure I can help you because we're hogging all the sun down here, and all we can oh, muster yeah. is partly cloudy and 55. Yeah. So, gotcha. I mean, it's the gotcha. best I can do. No. Better, better than what they are dealing with on the West Coast. I, oh. I, I, we cannot, um, you know, we we sit out here in the middle of of winter and we kind of lose track of of what some of those Pacific storms can do on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. And how long has it been since we've had to talk about yeah. Pacific storms? Mm-hmm. It's been a while. Well, but it seems like they, it was. They are rolling in. It was about the last time that a drought was cured by flood mm-hmm. over there on the West coast. And yeah. I was, I was kind of keeping tabs on, on their weather patterns over the weekend uh, on the West coast. And man, it just looks like there's a couple of waves coming in over this there next is. coming week, dude, it's not going to let up. No, no, it's not letting up. There's more inches of rain expected yep. on the coasts. Uh, there, there is uh, more feet of snow expected in the mountains and, mm-hmm. So this is going to be a, a, a situation that they're going to deal with for, for quite some time. I just hope it's not an interruption of the drought. I hope it is a cure. Mm-hmm. Ooh, good. Yeah. That's, yeah, if, we, if, 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 if we're going to go through, through all this. Yeah, yeah if you're, exactly. If you're going to go through all of this, let's hope that it is, it, yep. that it is fixing the drought out west. Okay, yep. let's get to the news, buddy. What do you got? Well, chip wheat futures failed to hold on to early gains and end of the day slightly lower. Early strengthened wheat was credited to corrective buying after last week's price decline. The inability to hold on to those gains was the result of ongoing availability of wheat from the Black Sea and lackluster export inspections of wheat in the weekend of January 5. Loadings totaled nearly 202,000 metric tons and were within the range of trade expectations, but failed to generate buying interest. March SRW wheat futures opened to slightly higher, traded to the plus side of 750, then fell back to close below that important pivot point. 
March HRW wheat futures three and one half cents lower, eight twenty eight and one half. March soft red wheat down two cents, seven forty one and one half. March spring wheat closed at nine oh two, up one quarter of one cent. Chip. Yeah, spring wheat market is the only market that had plus signs by the end of the day. Kind of a disappointing upside correction that lasted, you know, roughly half a session. Well, corrective buying and spillover support from a generally positive day for the commodity world helped corn futures trade to the upside until mid-morning. After that, corn prices followed wheat to the downside. Pressure was related to the availability of corn from Ukraine. Export inspections of corn in the weekend of January 5 totaled nearly 398,000 metric tons. That was at the low end of trade expectations. March corn posted a high-range open and a low-range close, but the market did respect support at the 650 level. March corn futures one and one quarter cents lower, 652 and three quarters. May corn down a penny to 653. July corn closed at 647 and one quarter, down a whole penny today. Yeah, and soybean meal, the March contract was off, was down $7.30. March soybean oil up just 18 points. But, you know, reversal of some of that spread action from last week, too. Well, soybean oil futures held on to slight gains through the close, but finished the session well below the day's high and below the opening range. March bean meal opened to slightly lower than rallied to match resistance at Friday's high of 479 before falling back to post a low range close. March soybean futures gapped slightly higher, traded above 15 bucks, then fell back to post a low range close. General strength in commodities and continued dry conditions, excuse me, in Argentina provided support in the overnight session. The weather outlook for Brazil, however, makes it difficult to build upside momentum. The uprising by supporters of former Brazilian President Bolsonaro creates some uncertainty about supply interruptions from Brazil, but that support faded after mid-morning. March beans four cents lower, fourteen eighty-eight and a half. May beans down a nickel, fourteen ninety-three and a half. July soybeans closed at fourteen ninety-five and three quarters, down six cents. Man, a tough. Tough time at midday. It all sort of turned yeah. lower, didn't it? Yeah, it, it certainly did. And I must have been reading ahead on the news uh, from that last comment that I made. So I'll say it again. Soybean yeah. meal closed 730 lower in the March <laughs> and March bean oil 18 points higher. So a little bit of spread reversal on that as well. <laughs> March cotton was 54 points higher at 86.22. Livestocks. Front month fat cattle opened slightly lower and spiked support at Friday's low before prices recovered. February cattle, 97 and one half higher, 157.75. March feeders up 65 cents, 186.30. And Febline hog futures broke the streak at seven consecutive lower yeah. closes, but not until the contract spiked support at 80 bucks. Feb hogs, 52 and a half cents higher, 80.80. April hogs up $1.15 to close at 90.80. Chip. Yeah, upside reversal in February live cattle futures to start the week. That's not a bad way to start it. We'll see if we can hold on to it. All right. Thanks, Davis. Let's bring in Jack Scoville, Price Futures Group. Good afternoon, Jack. Happy New Year. Well, Happy New Year and a uh, long time no talk to. Yeah, no kidding. Get a couple of Mondays <laughs> off and just kind of lose track of you, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, so I can do you, other days, too. So <laughs> <laughs> So what are you thinking? What are the, What's the markets telling you right now? Well, I think, uh, first of all, we need some demand. Uh, quite clearly, we need some demand. The markets really couldn't hold up, even with the, do- with the dollar down a full penny here, uh, or pretty close to it anyway. And, 
you know that that normally should have sent a pretty good charge into into the ag ag markets because everything's based in dollars, but it didn't. So uh, you have to look to the demand side, and the demand really isn't there, especially for the corn and wheat. Uh, the beans, we've made the sales, but we haven't made the shipments. So uh, a little question on the beans as well. So that's the first thing it's telling me. And the second thing it's telling me is that we do have some pretty big reports coming out on Thursday. Sure. And it looks like we're going to chop around until then. Yeah. Yeah. We've got the annual production summary, quarterly grain stocks, and, and then the WASDE update as well. And who knows, maybe the WASDE with the look at the, the, the Argentine corn and soybean crops might be most important. What are you hearing out of Brazil or excuse me, out of Argentina? Do do we have all those issues factored in? Uh, I kind of doubt it. Uh, I think that uh, I think the market is uh, underplaying the amount of loss. Probably, well, Brazil and Argentina both put together. I think the market is underplaying the amount of loss uh, that we're that, that's potentially down there. Um, the, you know, southern Brazil has been dry as well, and, and we're not really hearing much about that. But uh, my right. sources down there tell me that they don't think that Brazil is going to produce 150 million tons. Well, okay. still going to be a good-sized crop, but maybe right. if it's below 150, that'd be a big change. Yep, got to run, Jack. Thanks, buddy. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. We don't make the news, we render it. Agritalk. Back at you. Big 10-4, Texas size 10-4 for you. Texas size 10-4 on the Texarkana line. Speaking of Texas, TCU versus Georgia tonight. Hey, and I said it this morning, but I should do it again right now. SDSU, big shout out to you, big winner uh, in the FCS uh, over uh, NDSU, over North Dakota State University. So, well done, Jackrabbits. And um, TCU plays in the championship game tonight for the FBS. So, yeah. Or did I get that right? Maybe I had that backwards. Jeez. Now that I hear it. I don't know. I think I probably had it backwards. Sorry. I don't follow hockey. I really don't. I, I know. I don't know. I know you don't. So, all right. Scott Davis <laughs> with Bullpen Trading is our guest analyst today. Scott, it's good to talk with you, buddy. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Chip. Good to be on. Yeah, glad that you're here. Glad you're here. So, kind of a similar question to start things off that, that I asked Jack, and 
I asked him, you know, what what is the market telling you right now? I'm, I guess I'd back it up a little bit and ask you what you've learned from the market uh, since since the start of the year after after a week of trade. You know, it, it feels like it's been more than a week. That should tell you something in there. Uh, wow, what a start to, to to things when we really kicked off here with the, the selling that showed up to start the year. And then again, you see some of that come in today after what looked like a strong start out, out of the gate last night, and then you kind of fade again. And I think that does show that we've got a market that's still in a transition. It's acting a little tired. This is not last year. And I think that's probably the big reminder is, you know, this is not the same market environment that we had last year when we didn't have a Fed trying to stop inflation, when we we had uh, you know a, a positive demand environment. We had a lot of things that really were keeping things very well supported in, in the grain markets in particular. Yeah. Um, so tell me, is, is the difference in the Fed and what the Fed's job is right now versus a year ago, where does that fit on the list of market influences when you think about what's happening in South America, when you think about the lack of demand that we've got, especially for corn right now? Where does the interest rate thing fit? Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. You know, where does it fit? And I don't think, you know, we can always rank it differently different days. I think yeah. in the big picture, it's more of a background item. Okay. But on days when there isn't anything else really all that exciting to talk about, it tends up to, to tends to dominate trade. And so today you had uh, you know some early support from weather uh, South America, and then you know for example at midday when the forecast went a little bit wetter for Argentina, which they've had a tendency to do off and on. But when that happened, there just wasn't anything else buying wise because I think you have this backdrop of okay, the Fed's going to try to you know slow things down, and 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 there you go, you kind of suck all the life out of the room, and we we sag yeah. again. Uh, so, uh, is is it the most important factor? No, no. Okay. And, and you know we've talked about that many times in the past, where you know the funds have the ability to move things around in a range, but the fundamentals are the what ultimately drive things. It's just the funds put the excitement in and take it back out at times. Yeah. And, and I think that's kind of what the, the Fed policy does too. It, when it comes, it isn't going to change probably the, the the net price of corn at the end of the year, but it it kind of makes it harder to get as excited. So it maybe takes the top end off or it makes it a little bit uh, deeper briefly. But you know what we grow for a crop and what the demand looks like is still going to be the real deciding factor. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, so I don't know if it was just coincidence this morning or what, but I had just finished reading a couple of news reports on what was going on in Brazil over the weekend with the uprisings of the Bolsonaro uh, supporters, former president uh, Bolsonaro. And then I went and checked the, the markets for like the first time. <laughs> and and I, I look at it, I'm like, well, look what's going on in the soy complex. I wonder if there's any connection here. About, you know, between the, the could this be another black swan event that nobody saw coming? Uh, you know, some kind of a, an uprising in, <laughs> there's Davis. That's a loan, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> I try, Scott. I'm in Minnesota. I, <laughs> I know. That's a loon. <laughs> Everyone knows the loon is a myth. It's just something Minnesotans say to attract tourists. I'm convinced of that. They're actually just really big mosquitoes. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> That's how they sound. Was there was there any connection between the overnight trade and that and the 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 uprising in Brazil? I think it may be eliminated selling early. So I okay. guess I'd give you a, a, a little factor there. I, I don't think it was significant. You really didn't see all that much chaos it, in the so. financial markets. Yeah. So I, I, I don't think it was that big a deal. Uh, maybe it would have been different if timing wise, it was a little different or we were tight on supplies or something, but you know, we're anybody who really wanted to panic and buy something could certainly source it out of here. We've got the shipping capacity right now to, to meet any needs. So I don't think it was a big issue, but it may have eliminated some selling briefly. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get the export inspection numbers and they were just, blah. I mean, it wasn't a terrible number on beans, but it was still blah. And, and that's that's the reality. It, it's been uh, beans have been solid. I, you know, I've heard a lot of people uh, making the case that the demand just is horrible, and and demand for corn and and for bean wheat is is poor. For demand demand for bean oil is horrible. Demand for soybeans, you know, we've sold seventy nine percent of the commitment for the for the marketing year already. And last year we were at seventy three. I don't think anybody was complaining about demand last year, were they? No, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think the bean demand has been quite good. We just all know it's going to slow down once Brazil harvests this much anticipated, highly yeah. advertised, really big crop. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it, it's that 150 million metric ton line that has kind of been drawn. Jack just mentioned it. He's got people down there that say it's going to be under 150 million metric ton total. It, would putting a 140 handle on that crop do anything to change the attitudes? Oh, that'd be that'd be shocking. You you, you dip under there. I think that would be very very surprising. Okay. Uh, I don't see any chance USDA goes there right now. I mean, their average trade guess is uh, what 152 and a quarter on Brazil. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're going down in this report. Um, some of the early harvest results, uh, very early harvest results, are are really positive. Uh, Jack mentioned Rio Grande de Sul area is, is under stress, you know, any given year in any given area, my kind of, my rule of thumb is that 15% of the crop everywhere, you know, any, any, any state you look at, whatever, 15% is always going to be under a little problem. And and that just is how you get to a normal crop. Uh, once it starts going past 20%, now you can start talking about it being an issue. And from what I hear out of Brazil, it's 15 to 20%. So we're still in that range where it's probably pretty normal. And uh, you'd have to have a, an expansion of the problem to, to be a problem for Brazil and to, to start to negatively impact yield. Argentina is clearly a different issue. I mean, they're talking about now, given the forecast, they're talking about a record hot January and clearly not enough moisture. And Argentina is, is really struggling. And, and you feel for those people because not only are they working with a financial system that's a complete and utter mess, but now they can't even grow a crop this year. And uh, it's going to really be tough on Argentine ag for an extended period of time uh, to deal with this and move forward. It, it's going to be a struggle. You know, the, the government's had to deal with uh, games to try to get enough product moved to, to finance yep. things. Uh, this is only going to make everything worse for them in the next year, probably less stable. Uh, and, and saying Argentina is going to be less stable is kind of a scary prospect. So uh, this is going to have some longer term ramifications. Uh, South America as a whole is still going to provide a lot of competition for us though because yeah brazil is going to grow a lot of crop but that was fully anticipated I, is I what agree. you're saying that from the market's perspective 
perspective that we are past the time that Brazil crop talk will pressure prices and back to a time where the Brazilian news should, could, will be price supportive? If the developing issues in southern Brazil expand it all north, and I mean at okay. all, we start to go up in, you know, expand this at all. Uh, or, and let me throw the other thing is, you know, the, the hardest thing about weather is when it's persistent, that's when it's dangerous to crops and we are consistently a little too wet in the North and we've seen that turn into an issue before. So those are the two things to watch is if it stays a little too wet in the North or that dryness expands in the South, uh, then it can be a price positive. Uh, but I'll tell you that window was only about the next two, three weeks, and then it starts to close. So you got a pretty short window before that, that window goes away and Brazil could be a negative again. Okay. All right. Excellent. Um, that's We're off and running here in a conversation with Scott Davis from <laughs> Bullpen Trading. We've got ground to cover yet, including we've got reports coming up on Thursday this week, quarterly grain stocks report, annual production summary, WASD. We'll, we'll talk about what to expect there. We've got, we've got to get Scott's thoughts on what that supply out of South America combined with the updates might be due to planting intentions yet. I mean, yeah, a lot of the decisions have been made, but there's still some swing acres out there. We'll do that. And of course, what to do about it all. Scott Davis here on AgriTalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Time now for news of note from Pro Farmer. Weather remained hot and dry across Argentina during the weekend. Light scattered rains are expected during the middle of the week as a cool front cuts across the country. Brazil's Supreme Court removed the governor of Brasilia from office for 90 days over security failings that it said allowed thousands of backers of Bolsonaro to ransack government buildings in the capital. Many travelers began to fly in and out of mainland China on Sunday as Beijing removed almost all of its border restrictions. After four days and 15 rounds of voting, Kevin McCarthy's wait to become Speaker of the House of Representatives has come to an end. Indonesia and Malaysia agreed on Monday to work together to fight discrimination against the commodity after a meeting between leaders from the countries on palm oil. News of note is taken from the pages of Pro Farmer. Get more at tryprofarmer.com. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. The best talkers in ag, including you. Join the conversation on AgriTalk. Call us at 855-4-TALK-AG. 
Welcome back. I'm Chip. Glad that you're with us this afternoon. Davis Michelson is here, and we're in the middle of a conversation with Scott Davis from Bullpen Trading. Before we get back to Scott, let's go ahead and get a recap on where the market's closed from Davis. Well, Chip, March HRW wheat futures three and one half cents lower today, eight twenty-eight and one half. March soft red wheat down two cents, seven forty-one and one half. March corn futures one and one quarter cents lower, six fifty-two and three quarters. July corn futures closed at six forty-seven and one quarter, down a penny today. March soybean futures were four cents lower, fourteen eighty-eight and one half. July beans closed at fourteen ninety-five and three quarters, down six cents. March cotton. 54 points higher, 86.22. On your livestock side, February live cattle, 97 and one half cents higher, 157.75. March feeder futures up 65 cents, 186.30. And February lean hogs, 52 and one half cents higher at 80.80. That's your quick market recap. Back to you, Chip. All right, Davis, thank you very much. We are talking with guest analyst Scott Davis, bullpen trading. Up in Rochester, Minnesota. Scott, I was glad to hear your comments about South America and why it still matters. I think people had kind of just have just kind of assumed that that Brazil is going to be everything that it was expected to be. And the thing is, the way that Brazilian crop ends up is going to go a long ways in determining what global stocks are going to be this summer, which is going to go a long ways to determining whether guys made the right choice to add a few acres of beans or not do it because it's, it should have an impact on, on the acreage mix, right? Oh, I'm sure. Absolutely. I, not only will it have, uh, you know, an immediate impact, but a little longer term, like you're, you're kind of talking to it. I mean, we, we, we're already trading that ratio quite a bit. I think, uh, I don't have any wonderful words of insight on what that acreage is going to end up because I think it, you know, you know, we always talk about it a lot and then we usually end up wrong. And yeah. uh, uh, in part, I think it fixes itself because of what we talk about and how it trades. Right. Um, you know, this year, it, it's especially interesting to me that it seems like the trade guesses on the acreage, which we don't get the acreage yet. That's that's a, right. a future report. But, uh, you know, I everything I'm hearing is seems like it's coming in pretty close toward this 92 corn, 89 beans. What are you mm-hmm. thinking? Yeah, yeah, uh, that's exactly the number that we got from Dan Bossy on Friday. Earlier in the week, we'd been up in that 94.86 range, okay? Uh, okay, I hadn't heard those. That seems and, a little much. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that was kind of my reaction to it, too. I'm not ruling it out. I'm just saying that, sure. wow, I hadn't, I, I, I hadn't given that combination that much thought at this point. But, yeah, the 92.89, if things go well, and maybe 92.88, if things, sure. yeah, you know, move around. But the thing that I'm, the, the point that I'm making here or want to make is that USDA getting the number right as soon as they can so the guys can make the right decisions based on global stocks on what they're going to plant here in the U.S. I think is so critical. And to see them kind of drag their feet with some still, what I would call lofty, Argentine bean crop estimates. Argentine corn crop estimates, you don't have to adjust the bean crop estimate out of Brazil quite yet. I I can wait for that, but at least send the signal by making some what seem to be long overdue adjustments on the Argentine crops, right? Oh, I have some really bad news for you, Chip. They're not going to? You're going to be really disappointed again, I'm afraid. (laughs) 
<laughs> because they're going to trend that way. But USDA is not going to be a leader on that number. I mean, they, they never are. And, and no. we always want them to be. And I understand why. They, I mean, they don't. They aren't down there ground truthing it like they do their number here. Here they set the game, but they're 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 working off of of you know numbers like the rest of us. Quite frankly, I mean, better than probably all the rest of us together. But you know what I'm getting at there. I mean, yeah. uh, the the ability for yeah. them to go and, and and truly peg that crop this early. I mean, it's not all even planted yet, so we can say that that it's. Uh, it, it's certainly shrunk, and I believe it has. We're way past what should have been some of the optimal planting for a lot of it. We know that there isn't going to be enough moisture to really kick in and go go hard. It could end up being a decent late crop if the weather patterns change, which we've been told is supposed to happen as yeah. La Nina fades. Uh, yeah. But we're running out of time really fast. I mean, that that's where I, I've been hearing for 60 days that the La Nina was going to fade and it was going to start raining down there. <laughs> You know, that hasn't happened. And, you know, it's looking like 15 days out or 11 days out, excuse me, because the forecast 11 to 15 was wetter today. Um, yeah, but but Argentina is not going to have, we aren't going to have a number from USDA that's going to be nearly low enough to probably adjust okay. for what, what they're hearing. Okay. And so maybe they're going to trend that way. Uh, but I, I think you're going to be really disappointed. And I, I'm concerned <laughs> the market may be a little disappointed. Um, I guess that's that's one of my risk factors for for Thursday's data okay. is uh, you know when we look at the the numbers that have been bandied about here uh, with some people talking you know the sub 150 on beans on Brazil I don't see any chance of that I, I don't think USDA does that and, and the sub 44 on on Argentine beans I just don't see that happening out of this report maybe 45 um, but I don't think they go below that this early because it is still relatively early. Okay. The other numbers that I think are really, and I think, you know, quarterly grain stocks is one of those reports. We always talk about the the final crop number mm-hmm. uh, and the trade guesses are pretty boring on that. And USDA didn't move a lot recently. So it mm-hmm. seems like they were pretty dialed in. But if you looked at the range of trade guesses on the quarterly grain stocks for corn and beans. I'll be honest. No, I haven't. So the, the trade guess range from high to low on corn is 1.2 billion bushels. That's carryover. Yeah. The yeah. trade guess range on beans from high to low is 220 million bushels. Again, it's darn near carryover. Darn near carryover. I don't know where some of the numbers are coming at, but wow, we got somebody who's going to be very excited or very disappointed or both on Thursday. So you know, we often get a little fade reaction in these reports. This one may have somebody who isn't covered right, and they may have to do a little more than just the usual fade. So be cautious with this one. There's a lot of risk going into this report because there's a lot of data. You get last year's crop estimate. You get the quarterly first, you know, look at disappearance and usage. Uh, We get winter wheat seedings, which have almost a 3 million acre range on them from high to low trade gas. Yeah, and nobody ever talks about the winter wheat seedings until, oh my gosh. yeah, and and, and yeah. this year especially, it's really hard to know what the heck to do with that because you know how much of that hard red crop is going to you know make it through the winter, right? right. Uh, it, how much got established? So a lot of variables in there. But man, I, I look at the risk that we are facing on all of this stuff going into Thursday at eleven o'clock, and I think guys need to make a really conscious choice about how much risk they want to have at eleven o one. Okay. And, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of things going on in this world that have changed over the last year. And one, you know, top, top dog is interest rates. And mm-hmm. 
money's not free anymore. Storage is not free. It's four cents a month to cost four cents a month to, to, to carry corn and, and eight or nine to carry beans. And if you got it sitting in the bin and you're just hoping for higher prices, you got to, you got to justify that four cents Figure a month. Yep. Yeah. And you know, you could do something in the options, lay off some of that risk, still have some upside. There's all kinds of strategies you can work with your broker on, you know, and, and you can come up with something that'll lay off a lot of risk, maybe in, in, in improve some of your, uh, uh, cash flow in the meantime yep. too, you know, so yep. this is something where, where the risk and the options can be managed. The risk in your bin may not be as easy to manage. Uh, right. I was going to say, first things first on this risk management is addressing the cash market. Right. And yes. It, and, and transferring the risk from cash to paper. Cash to paper and in, in, in a limited way, uh, you can you can limit the risk in the, in the paper a lot easier. And, in you know, people hate margin calls. Well, there's strategies to work around that. So, you know, somebody can work with you on that. I'm sure that everybody out there has heard of futures and options. So yeah. <laughs> there, there's there's ways to do this in ways that make sense. And I'm just talking even old crop. First off, new crop is a whole nother game. And it's something where, you know, you mentioned what at the beginning of this, when we first started talking, what have we learned over the last uh, you know, so far this year and, you know, just stepping back into the new year, I was struck by the fact that corn was a dollar a bushel above where it was a year ago right now. And beans were two bucks mm -hmm. and that's a heck of a price premium for a carryover number that doesn't seem to suggest that it needs to be there. And, you know, when you look at the cost structure for farming today, most of those guys or most, most guys need that extra dollar and $2 because costs have gone up that much. Sure. Well, don't assume that they're going to be there later. And, uh, you know, I get to this time of year and I'm always reminded of the phrase that, uh, you've heard me talk about the John L Davis rule before my dad yeah. always said the first rule of business is stay in, business. stay in business. And that includes making sure that if you can go out there, lock in a profit, why aren't you doing something with this here and getting something priced? And, you know, do you want to be right on that last penny or do you want to make money? And, and right. we're in the business to make money. Yep. Yep. Love it. Um, look, going back to the risk management side and starting with what's in the cash, what's the impact on the basis market here real quick? You know, overall right now, basis is pretty good considering that demand hasn't been stellar. Uh, I'm, I'm amazed what guys can do. So in most cases you can get something done fairly near term uh, or nearby for shipment, depending on what your, your local need, needs are. Uh, but I've been working with guys who've been able to price things out and ship it fairly quick. And sometimes you can get a premium for doing so. So I, I think overall, uh, you could see some basis pressure as more guys start to realize they need to take advantage of this and they start getting a notice from their bank they're paying an interest loan. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and with a little bit of stability in the weather, I'm not saying that winter is over by any stretch. I'm just saying that some stability, good grief, some stability in the weather, give the, the ethanol producers a little bit of confidence going forward to ramp things back up. Um, yeah, that'll help out too. That should help us out a little bit to limit some basis pressure for a while. Scott, it's always fun, man. Thank you so much. You bet. Glad to be here. All right. That's Scott Davis, Bullpen Trading. Let's take a look at the charts next. We got Kerry Artak next on Agritalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. 
The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. The truth is hard to come by these days, unless you listen to Agritalk. Welcome back to Agritalk on this Monday afternoon. Thank you so much for listening today. Great conversation there with Scott Davis. Uh, We might try to recap a couple of comments from Scott coming up after after we have a conversation with Carrie Artak, Artak Advisory. Carrie, it's our first chance to wish you a happy new year. How are you, man? Thank you, sir. I'm doing great, and Happy New Year to you as well. Very good, very good. You know, a lot of movement in the market last week, most of it to the downside, uh, soybeans included. So why right. don't you kick us off there? What's going on in that in that bean market? Sure, March soybeans, 1469 even is an important floor of a longer-term support for this particular contract, the March contract, uh, 1469. We closed today at 1488 half. We may fall back to 1469 even over the next few days. We fell into that zone actually earlier last week. It can contain selling uh, into March expiration and above which uh, there is long-term resistance on that weekly chart going back a couple of years at 1615 half to 25 and a quarter. That is a big zone. I don't know if we'll reach it by the March expiration. On the way up, I've got 1553 half. I think that's in reach over the next couple of weeks. 1553 half able to contain weekly buying pressures. We may fall off from there back to 1469 even over the following two to three weeks or so. But if we can get up and over 1553 half, say at the end of this week, then that 1615 half to 25 half area in reach within probably two to three weeks. And that upper area, 1615 half to 25 half, can contain not only March buying pressures into its expiration, but even broader market buying, May, July contract buying pressures as we move through spring trade. That's also a a significant upside continuation point into summer. And I'll cover that in future shows. Uh, Downside, if we did close this week Friday below 1469 even, I think we have a good high then through the rest of March contract life. The next three to five weeks that I'm expecting 1395 even, which is another significant floor of support for March. I think that would be it to the downside for the March contract. But bottom line, closing below 1469 even, this nice bull move we've seen since the October low would be neutralized. And with that, 1395 even likely within three to five weeks. And on to March soybean meal, 
We close at 470.3 here today. It's shown strength the last few months, but near term, I show it two-sided. And that is to say, really through the rest of January, 479.3 is our ceiling. That is an area we've been testing the last couple of weeks. Yep. From here, we could back off to 447 even. 447 even is, in our, is our floor through January. So we could trade inside the 447 even to 79. Point three region uh, all the way through January. If we can close this week, Friday above 479.3, then 511.6 is our next two to three week objective. That is a long-term three, four year rising channel top that actually contain the March highs from last year and can continue to contain annual buying pressures. And if we were to close above 511.6 in the coming months, that should set off a significant hyperbolic rally. I wouldn't be surprised to see around 635 buy as a summer high, but you know, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. First things first, we need to close above 511.6 for that to occur. Uh, downside, if we close below 447 even, uh, then I think that's a good March contract high. The next two to three, three to five weeks, then likely to fall all the way back to 406 even, where I would expect the March soybean meal contract to bottom out into its expiration. And finally, I have to update you on March cotton. It's still heavy below 89.41. That is a long-term price ceiling below which 77.18 is likely over the next few weeks, possibly 72.11 by March expiration. But if we can get back above 89.41 in the March cotton, uh, I think it can run nicely over the next two to three months, up to 103 even, where we could top out through spring. That's also a significant upside continuation point into summer trade. But holding below 89.41, this market can continue to grow weak. It's been in this sort of consolidated framework now for the last couple of months. 77.18 a downward pivot point into February trade. Were we to close below 77.18 over the next week or two, 72.11, here we come within probably three to five weeks where March can bottom out into its expiration. Okay. And that is pretty much rounds it out there, Chip. All right, very good. Yeah, the, the, the short-term trends that we're looking at in the March contract, it's been difficult, March bean contract, it's been difficult mm -hmm. to maintain that trade above 15 bucks. So um, I like yeah. those numbers that you gave us there as far as, the uh the ceiling and the floors in that in march beans. yeah good stuff 1469 a big level for march uh, soybeans through the week it certainly is certainly is thank you sir all right hey if you have a great if day you you bet thank you carrie oh. now if oh, yeah, you yeah. want more from carrie if you want more from carrie just go to artac a-r-t-a-c advisory.com and get signed up for a two-week free trial there okay That's right Thanks, you sir. bet. Thanks, Thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you next Bye. week. Okay, Davis, yes. National Weather Service, 6- to 10-day mm -hmm. outlook. This is for January 15th through the 19th. Has got above-normal temperatures over most of the country. Okay. Um, and, and high odds, 80% odds of above-normal temperatures over most of Wisconsin, eastern Iowa, Missouri, uh, Oklahoma, Arkansas, back over to West Virginia, Virginia, and, and down into Louisiana. So it, that area has got the highest odds of above normal temperatures, but it, it's most of the country is looking at above normal temperatures for January 15th through the 19th. Above normal precipitation also expected over most of the country, including California, Nevada, mm. uh, really looking at, at – a continuation of the pattern that we're that, that we've been seeing but hey we've got good odds 50 to 60 percent odds of above normal precipitation 
right over Iowa, southeast Nebraska, eastern Kansas, Missouri, Illinois, Indiana, and down into western Kentucky and Tennessee. So kind of a bullseye of of above-normal temperatures and above-normal precipitation in the the central corn belt, I'll call it, in the south-central production areas. So, hey, above-normal temperatures this time of the year, I'm I'm sorry, but I'm going to take it. Yeah, I think that sounds great. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe your maybe your driveway will just sort of scoop itself mysteriously. That, yeah, that's fantastic when that kind of stuff happens. Sounds like that type of deal. You bet. You bet. I love that. All right. Hey, thanks for listening this afternoon. Uh, tomorrow morning, we're going to have a conversation with Glenn Tonser from K-State University. He's an ag economist there. And his, his uh, the, the meat demand tracking that... Uh, he has been doing down there. We're gonna get we're gonna get the latest trends from Glenn on what's got happening there tomorrow afternoon. Brian Grady from Pro Farmer.